Welcome into the Esports Network podcast, talking about anything and everything relating to esports, whether it's the players, the games they play, the coaching staff behind them, and maybe a little bit more of just how we see them. You know, a lot of work goes into broadcast, a lot of production, a lot of event spaces kind of going, uh, coming back to, into the fold as the pandemic is starting to creep out a little bit of its of its hole and we're kind of just chilling and hoping for more events here in this in the in the next year we'll see though and here to kind of help me explain what he does within his little sphere of influence and of course it's a very big sphere of influence welcome in ryan thompson he's the chief production officer and slash co-founder over at esports engine ryan you are an og so this is officially like a, a pretty big deal for me to have you on the show so thanks for taking time out of uh, i'm sure your very busy work day to come on and talk to us for a quick you know hour and a half or so i appreciate it awesome thanks for having me Kevin. so uh, just a quick back background on you in case people for whatever reason they're they don't know and they're too young to remember you you worked you started off with mlg what nearly uh 2004 almost 17 years you worked there for almost uh, a decade plus and then you kind of moved into activision blizzard as well and you started esports engine where you are today so that's kind of the the the, the rough and rowdy of what it is right so I, let's start off with, with some questions just to kind of get a grasp of uh, what your first few days uh few, i guess first few years working in esports what was that like for you? I mean, you're, you're, I'm sure you're, now you're a fountain of experience and, and knowledge, but back then it wasn't the case so much. What was that first few years working with MLG on the production side of esports look like for you? Yeah, as well. I, I was one of the uh, original employees of, of MLG back when we were under 10. So um, whenever uh, I chatted with Mike and Sonny, you know, I, I told them that I, I knew how to do video. I was mostly being honest. Um, <laughs> I originally came on as the only member of the, the video team. But early on, you know, those the live productions were super crude. And in a lot of ways, we were figuring it out as we go. You know, I was, I was studying it in, in college, and but I was more interested in the actual competitive side and like what's going on at these tournaments. Uh, so figuring out the video production part of that was uh, kind of my, my, my way into the industry. Um, but it, it's every, every single event that we did, we figured out a new trick of the trade. You know, we started off with raw video. There wasn't even commentary, but we were, you know, essentially call it selling out the streams, maxing out the servers back then. Um, but this was, this was back when, before there was even YouTube, you know, there mm-hmm. wasn't really internet streaming. So we had to figure out how to just get a, a stream on a webpage, let alone then add in commentary and then graphics. And then now, okay, now it, it's more than I can do myself. So get a small team going. Uh, and then eventually it turns into a, you know, a very large team and, you know, our, our productions are rivaling most television productions and, and the tricks of the trade that we have at a, in our, our toolkit today. Uh, you know, we've got a TV and sports executive knocking on our door, asking us how we pulled off some of this stuff. So it's, it's gone from, from literally nothing uh, to, to one of the biggest industries in, uh, in the world. Man, that's insane just to, to hear. I mean, I, I see the headlines ha- popping up now and then the esports engine gets in contact with so-and-so from a traditional sports or traditional media background. It's like, that's insane, the kind of overlap we're seeing between these two these two spaces. And so, I mean, pre-esports engine, though, I mean, what events stuck out to you as like either particularly fun, if you can call work fun, or maybe the exact opposite, where it was like pandemonium in the production rooms, or maybe there was a, a, a something that happened that made it fall short of your expectations, or pretty much where you pulled it off and everybody was just like these guys are, are the real deal what was the, what was an event that stuck out to you yeah there's been a ton i've done more than 150 and when i say events i mean events we mm-hmm. we we our most common productions are the ones where we go on the road and take the show to the to a convention center a stadium or even a you know a, a small uh a smaller venue um but the 
every year and every event has has its own challenges and it's and it's and it's definitely been an interesting uh, interesting ride as we got bigger and bigger more and more viewers and more and more uh, attendees would come to the events but with that became uh, a lot of more exposure so mm-hmm. the people that started noticing us were like hackers and, and people who who wanted to mess with our events so um some of the earlier events we had some some rough lessons that we had to learn um i remember one event in particular um we were you know tweeting and touting how we were breaking viewership records and we were in the grand finals of an event we're like guys look at this everyone we got two hundred thousand viewers get in here and then of course the the hackers uh hear about that and they shut down the entire facility you know wow. this wasn't just like a small targeted ddos you know the hotel uh and the venue was calling us asking hey uh we can't check out people at the front desk what's going on here um so they they pointed a pretty pretty large death ray at our event um but i think resilience is, is one of the things that i've learned over over the years and by that point um we had tricks up our sleeves and you know we finished that event uh tethered to a cell phone so uh <laughs> 200,000 viewers uh powered by uh forget what carrier it was but it would have been a great ad for them back then because we did successfully com- complete the event on a literally a cell phone that's insane um, <laughs> Uh, those you know there's a the production is 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 tough you know there's anything that can go wrong will go wrong uh but you know being this many years into it you learn you learn what's going to come and be prepared for that i think some of the most uh exciting events that we've done are we're under conditions that seem like the they should be uh impossible and i think one of my favorite events was the x games so we would we had a partnership with espn and we actually gave away gold medals for the first time ever to esports athletes wow. we did that several years in a row and you know we did winter and summer and then in the winter we literally aspen we would go on the side of a mountain build an esports event you can imagine there's not a lot of connectivity and even just getting power to work there and uh, not let alone you know a gaming computer and and, and sub sub freezing temperatures uh, <laughs> but we pulled it off and it was some of the the, the greatest images i think we've put on screen to date wow that's i can only imagine the logistical like challenge that would be for you guys and to pull it off flawlessly have nobody notice anything wrong it's just probably i'm sure that's that's something you tip your hat to on a daily basis like that was a that was a good day but i mean now you you take all that experience those 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 years experience you kind of you help co-found esports engine along with your partner adam in like a 20 late 2019 i mean what led to you kind of making that decision to, you know, essentially found a startup. And what was that experience like the first few, few days, few months of, of esports engine? What was that kind of just figuring out things on the fly? I'm sure you had to wear many, many hats as many do in these startups. So what was those first few days like for you? Yeah, it was, it was a pretty crazy ride. I, I had a lot of kind of life changes going on at that point between, you know, um, exiting Activision, moving. I, I, I used to live in New York and spent, you know, the better part of, of my career in, in Brooklyn, but moved moved my entire family out to Columbus and decided to to form Esports Engine and have a baby all in the same year. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a really wild year in 2019 and 2020. And that was before the pandemic. Um, but uh, as as the idea of esports engine is something that we've been thinking of for for a very long time. Um, it's it's the if you look at the kind of parallels between esports engine and MLG and all the things we did either independently or at Activision Blizzard, there's a lot of a lot of symmetry there. You know, we we still have the same core values at heart. We are we are an esports company for the esports industry. We've been on the other side of the 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 coin, meaning like we've been at publishers and know what we need from our our production providers and and all of all the things that go into an esports ecosystem. 
system. Uh, so the, the timing was right for us to, to kind of take all of those years of expertise, put them back out on the market and, and be able to serve a wider audience, um, an audience that is is esports focused. And as someone who can be a true partner, uh, as opposed to, you know, seeing it as just a production play or, you know, there's a lot of people coming in, you know, trying to just place their chips around and like put a few of their chips on, on esports. Um, but, but for us, it's, it's in our best interest that esports succeeds. Uh, and, and you don't do that through, um, through just cashing in, you do it through true partnerships. I mean, I'd, I'd hope a, a company called Esports Engine wouldn't just cash off of esports as f- solely for, for for that kind of uh, you know cloud. But I'm sure, like you mentioned, the pandemic was kind of uh, a flurry on top of an already massive flurry for a lot of us going through career changes. And sure, March 2020 uh, it will be one of those those days or those months will be like that was a crazy month, almost two years ago, pretty much. So we see events across the world canceled. I mean, what did those days look like for you guys? I'm sure it was a lot of moving on the fly, trying to figure out what's going on, what kind of regulations are happening across states, across countries. I mean, how did you how did you possibly get a handle on, on all that? And I mean, just talk me through that experience you had working through a pandemic on the production side of things. Yeah. And, you know, we no 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 one saw it coming. We we didn't see it coming either. Uh, but I do think that our company and, and the esports industry in particular, but our companies especially was well equipped to to handle this. You know, most esports programs have some sort of online component. Typically, you know, the flow is, you know, you do your online qualifiers and then you go to the LAN. Um, so that the idea of of getting right back on the air day one was not difficult for us. Um, but the the one of the bigger challenges was we're now working with clients and it's it's you know we set we set out plans for the entire year that involve lots and lots and lots of events uh so so working with the clients to make sure that we reconfigure those plans to still continue to have a successful esports program knowing that most of those events won't be there and if and if if we do get to do the events they're going to be fewer um is, is was the main focus of us so um we transitioned incredibly well like there was i would say that there wasn't really any downtime for for esports engine and our partners um and and you know that's that's kind of a testament to our agility and resiliency man just i tell you working in sports media that that month was uh it was something else and so uh, to, to hear that you guys were prepared day one pretty much to come back on here no matter what the event was is is, is really like you said it's, it's a testament to your resiliency and so i mean you guys were you said you were you were well prepared and now we've seen broadcast over across you know many events have had to evolve and how they're produced how they're 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 made essentially with a lot of people working from home i mean was this something that you felt was worthwhile for you and your production team to kind of learn it was like i guess it, maybe not the the worst lesson to learn but it's not something you, you really wanted to learn in the first place but it, you, to go through that was it something you believed was like it was very rewarding to have your entire team go through this yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a, a good broadcast, it's the result of a strong team with strong communication and, and just instincts in a control room. Um, and, you know, I, I we continue to, to go into the control room and we'll always advocate for that. But what we really learned is that a control room might not have to be an actual room at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we do prefer to be in person, but having access to, to remote talent is incredibly helpful. Um, you know, we have shows with producers, crew and operators across time zones and even continents. Now, that's something that we wouldn't have done in, in the past. Right. We're not going to fly someone in from overseas to to sit in the booth with us. Um, so there, there are some doors that it actually opened up that we didn't really think about before. And these are doors that will keep open even after there's there's no restrictions or no um, anything holding us back from getting back in, in the same room. Man, that's awesome. And so I'm, I'm sure uh, in the midst of all this, you, I mean, you 
production works very closely with clients to kind of help, you know, put their vision out there, put what they want on the screen out there and kind of help mitigate whatever problems there might be. How did you go about assuaging some of these these clients, like assuring them, like, hey, this is going to be fine. This We're prepared for this. How did that conversation, conversation go with clients in, in terms of just like making sure that everything was was like in confidence and it's all going to be OK, pretty much for the most part. Uh, and these clients, you know, they have what millions of dollars on the lines for these events sometimes. Yeah, I think a lot of that gets established up top, uh, up top before we even engage with clients or, or win business or start the work. You know, part of our our actual pitch to clients is that we're a true partnership to your team. We're an extension of your team. We're not just the production company that's going to to spend your money and, and give you the event that you put on you know paper months and months ago. Um, the pandemic pandemic has shown us, uh, if anything, things will change. And even before the pandemic, things change. You have to remain flexible in esports, and and we're an incredibly flexible. Uh, company for our partners and uh, you know they they view us as extensions of their team as opposed to uh, just the company they need to call with with changes more often than not they asked us what to do instead of telling us what we were going to do wow that's that's always impressive that's that's awesome to hear that and so i mean i guess what was the the best lesson you learned going through this process of working with your team through this pandemic and uh what was something that you just kind of was like this is the biggest takeaway we can this is the biggest takeaway we can make from this this bad situation that this is something that's awesome that came out of this you know, there's 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 several actually so um yeah, I go off. give you just one but um the w- one thing that the pandemic um kind of forced the industry and the larger kind of broadcast technology industry to do is accelerate all of their their cloud plans so everyone knows that that things are, are moving towards the cloud and productions are are following suit um but we're 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 almost a decade ahead of where i think a lot of the, the broadcasters think that they they had in their roadmap um but the the positive part of that is that we've got really cool new toys to play with. Like there is there's some of the technology that has come out that has not only enabled us to do more broadcasts, but better broadcasts and and broadcast under you know conditions we didn't think possible. Um, so I mentioned before, but I think a lot of the the, the technology um, acceleration will mm-hmm. we will keep in our playbook. And I've you know I like new toys, and we've got a lot of new toys. <laughs> I mean, you like a, a lot of new toys. You got a, what electric drum, drum set behind you? I see that. So I'm I'm sure you got the 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 cutting edge laptop right now that you're 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 uh, video conferencing with me on. So of course to say you like new toys is a bit of an understatement, right? <laughs> well, exactly. And then the that be all that being said, yeah. Um, you know, we are ready to get back to the control room. We just had our, our, our successful large scale live event in December. Like the events are coming back. We do want to to get back in the the same rooms. We will we will figure out which of the kind of technologies make most sense to keep because a lot of them are going to you know, like I said before, let us make more and, and better esports. Um, but in terms of getting back to the live events, that is top priority because there's nothing there's nothing virtual that will replace you know a real real in person uh, connection. And one of the things that I often notice at these big events that we do and when i talk to the the fans on the floor and the, the players on the floor is they're telling me that they're telling me that this is the first time they met their teammates mm-hmm. and that's pretty common the and especially in the in the pandemic but um the events that we throw again are the first time that these people who have formed this bond and created this this team sometimes even at the pro level even have even seen each other so you, you can't uh replace that and you know we're esports is gaming and gaming is is community so it, it thrives online but you can't replace the real interactions so um we're, we're looking to get back to that asap 
not to mention, you know, going, you know, I've, I've been in the control room before. I, I can tell you that uh, it's very high pace, very high stress sometimes. And communication instantly is, is it cannot be overstated enough in those situations. I'm sure your team is, you know, happy to get back together and kind of uh, make productions work live and in person. And I know I'm excited to see these broadcasts come back to, you know, in person with some with crowds. Obviously, I'd, I'd hope to see that. But if that's not the best thing uh, available we can always do you know little lands aren't bad either so i mean what are some things you guys are keeping in mind when you set up in these venues or when you're setting up your control rooms what are some things you guys keep in mind uh as you are planning out or pre-planning these productions ahead of time yeah i think you know obviously the the cause for us not being able to do them is number one uh, additional COVID protocols additional uh staff and, and distancing and and third there's a lot of third parties that we engage with to to even beef up uh some of the larger events um but the from a production perspective you know we we had to rethink a lot of our workflows before we came to the event and we're, we're keeping that thinking uh, in mind as we go to the event so um pandemic or not the, one of the largest costs that we have for events is is travel so it just costs a lot to get people places so rethinking some of the workflows where um can some of these folks perform the job from home or can we rethink the workflow where it, it takes less people or a different type of type of person uh, can we get some of this stuff locally um has actually helped and will continue to help going through the events you know and some a more literal example is like photography you know mm-hmm. there's the, what a lot of people don't um kind of realize once you see like the really nice player headshot on the stage or or even tweeted out like that had to you know had to go through a photo shoot and then it had to go through editing and then it had to go through this meticulous cutout process to so it can work on different backgrounds and we used, used to we would bring you know specialized people out to the event because it was very timely we needed that immediately uh but now we're doing a lot of that work remotely and it's actually been more efficient we're getting things cut out faster we're getting things back to our graphics team faster um so that's one small example of how you know just taking a different viewpoint of of something we might have been doing for over a decade can can always be improved for sure and i mean that's just so you don't even think about in, in the time in the past you, know, you see all these, all these pictures put on social media and it's like you gotta think there's, there's a whole process to get in those posts there's a whole like team behind these pictures and sometimes it can't just depend on a, on a single intern or something to get this done it, it, it depends on professionals who've been in the industry a long time to get this you know up and going for people to view and, and, and enjoy and so i mean pretty much you've been at this for for two years now pretty much going through a pandemic almost and I guess what has been, I guess, for lack of a better word, what has been the magnum opus that you think esports engine has worked on? What has been like the single greatest or best event that you can think of that you're extremely proud of? Your team can really hang their hat on that. And I mean, you don't, you don't have to name names or anything like that if you don't want to. But I mean, if you want to shout some people out, you're more than welcome to. But what's like one event that you're like, man, this was quintessential esports engine right here? Yeah, and I, I, it was probably one of one of our most recent uh, that we did, and 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 I can name it because everyone probably already heard about it now. But it was the HCS Raleigh mm-hmm. event, um, which was really a culmination of, of of a lot of things. We've been working with three four three and Microsoft for several years just to get the the, the program outlined and uh, a good esports ecosystem uh, as the foundation. Uh, but it took until this this last year for us to actually see it and and, and feel it and, and experience it. So um, it's it's one of the examples of where where esports engine works best because that is a, is a true partnership, a, a whole ecosystem integration with three four three. Their partners, they trust us, we trust them. The when we go to meetings, it, 
we're all on the same team. Um, so it, everyone had the same uh, interest aligned uh, and we were able to successfully pull off the event, got great viewership, the league, the comp competitive operations ran great. The broadcast was smooth. Uh, and, you know, the, not that the events wasn't without challenges, uh, but uh, it, overall incredibly uh, successful kickoff. And we're, we're really excited about the next one, too, and, and several more after that. Oh, so I, I'm curious because I, I guess a lot of people, uh, you know, the HCS was, was an awesome success from my point of view. And I'm, I'm sure I think was it this event? It might have been a previous event, but I think it was this event where people called out some some production issues here and there. But I don't think it was on production side, more just like networking side of things. And so it was a whole mishmash of issues with, with them. But uh, I mean, what, when you guys see that kind of uh, public, uh, I guess, outcry, not outcry, but public like, oh, hey, something something happened on the broadcast. What is the what is your reaction to that? Is that something that kind of like, oh, it's not that big a deal or, you know, maybe we need to work on this a little bit more. But, you know, for now, we, we, we're, we're smooth. But is that something that's in the back of your mind as an event is going on? Like, oh, that that one thing could have been better. Oh yeah, and it's it's a it's very much in the front of our minds. Listening to the community is is one of the first places we've listened to, and and you know you you'll probably talk with a lot of people who who have different opinions on on um you know what advice to take or or at what point is something actually an issue or is it a vocal minority? We've done enough at these events that we're pretty good at, at filtering out and 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 knowing you know when something is is real or, or or something needs to be looked at. But we do look at everything. We read everything. We're on all the reddits. Obviously, all of the chat rooms are are very very real time. Um, um, but there's, uh, I, I don't know if you could really point at a successful esports community out there that has a, a, a group not listening to that community. So um, we, we do that with our partners, and and uh, it's 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 the first people you need to listen to because at the end of the day you're making it for for them. Um, listening to the pros as well. So there's there's never been a flawless event, mm -hmm. and I'm sure I'm sure the event you were referencing totally probably could have been one of ours, and and it it, it uh, would not be unheard of to 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 hear about issues. And there's always there's always issues, but how you respond to them is is kind of um, where the um, where, where you prove yourself for sure. And I don't mean to call you out. On, I, I wasn't sure if it's your event or somebody else's event, but I remember this was something really into Halo, and I was like, maybe it's this one. If it's not, that's that's totally my bag, and, and it's that's that's on me. But I'm yeah. sure. You're excited. Yeah, I'll tell you, we had a wild first day. I mean, we probably, <laughs> probably saw it the, whole, the whole first day. I think it, uh, we had an hour delay on the very first match. And, and there were, you know, it was, this is the first time I've seen PCs and consoles together. So oh, yeah. I might not realize this, but we were a piece, we were cross play. Oh, yeah. Um, that's wild. You don't really see that. Um, so uh, obviously, first event out with that amount of scale and that amount of uh, kind of equipment um, caused some delays early on. But again, to the agility and resiliency, being able to figure out massive issues like that in real time and then get back on the air and then have a smooth uh, rest of the tournament, uh, that that's huge. There, there's things that can happen that you can't recover from. There's there's many esports events in the past. I think, think you probably uh, remember that stopped <laughs> yes. literally hey it doesn't work and it's we're not coming back on the air <laughs> i mean I, rec I can recall local sports events here that have like hour outages because they, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with their with their network line to to, to their uh to, to their, their uh, mothership or something like that so it's just insane to me that you know an hour delay isn't really that big a deal in terms of esports events but I'm, I'm happy to hear that you guys kind of took this and and really ran with it and and and, and you know we were agile you fix things on the fly and this is something that you guys can look back on like this is something we should you know we we were up against the wall we we made it work and it was awesome to, to have the product come out and be as successful as it was because that was a great first event for halo and i'm sure there's many more to come for the hcs in general and i mean it, speaking of the future of of not just halo but for esports engine i'm sure the broadcast across the world you know the production side of things seems to be constantly in flux we're still dealing with you know the omicron variant and stuff like that but what is something that's like really exciting 
for 2022? What is a, a development you're like, man, this is, I can't wait for this to happen or I can't wait for this to come to fruition. What's something in 2022 that gets you genuinely excited? Yeah. And it, and it might be a rehash of what I've kind of been mentioning all along, but it really is getting back to the land. Um, not only because of the, the, um, the reasons I mentioned before, just like the human connection with like friends and competitors, but like, you, I'm sure, you know, you probably play games, ping matters. And the, the, <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, it can be tough to, um, uh, 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 online play is not always going to produce the actual winner on land. There's, there's, there's less room for, uh, kind of room for error there, especially with the tournament formats we put out. So at the end of the day, esports is sports and we want to see who the best team at the particular game is. And there's no better place to, to do that. And there's no better place to uh, absorb that and experience that. Uh, than in a venue uh, on a stage with people yelling right next to you. For sure. And it's, it's, it, it helps if they don't yell out lag every 10 seconds either on the mic, you know? <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I'm happy to hear you guys are working towards a, a, a kind of more land-based uh, 2022. And so that's, that's hopefully that something that we as, as an audience get to see, get to enjoy. And uh, I'll tell you, one of the things I miss the most, I think I saw the, the CDL majors here in, in Dallas uh, that where I'm based out of is seeing a crowd live in person, yelling and screaming at, 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 at the stage and players yelling back at them, whether it's obscenities or whether it's, you know, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm happy you guys are looking forward to that as well. So, uh, Ryan, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I, I know uh, you got a busy work day ahead of you. You have a lot of big projects to work on, and I can't wait to see the culmination of all that hard work coming up on a stream or who knows, maybe a network television someday, right? Yeah, absolutely. That event you just mentioned, we're rehearsing right now. So uh, check us out. <laughs> that's awesome. So at Esports Engine on Twitter, esportsengine.gg, uh, ryanthompson.gg. You can follow him all there and then just keep up with, with the broadcast. I know you guys are doing, besides Halo, you guys are doing a massive amount of work be, behind the scenes. So good luck to you. And again, thank you for hopping on the show, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Ryan Thompson, CPO slash co-founder of Esports Engine. And I'm Kevin Correa right here on the Esports Network Podcast.